you're listening to Inside Jobs, the podcast where we get to meet creative leaders who work directly for brands, learn about how they got to where they did, and understand what drives them. Inside Jobs is brought to you by IHAF, the forum for in-house agency professionals, as well as Express KCS, the select choice of discerning agencies for outsourced production across all media. In this episode, we're joined by Brad Lund of the Campbell's Soup Company, famous, of course, for their eponymous comestibles, but also the owner of brands you'll find in any kitchen, such as Kettle and Cape Cod Potato Chips, or crisps as I prefer to call them. Brad, we're going to learn about your journey to Campbell's Soup, but what's your responsibility at this iconic company? I am the Director of Marketing Operations, and well, that also includes the uh, Campbell's Creative Studio, and the corporate archives are under uh, my direction. That's an interesting, uh, interesting one to throw into the mix. Right. Is that yep. because you desperately wanted the corporate archives under your remit? <laughs> no, it was something totally new to me, but it, had, it was a one-person uh, department. And when I was working in the internal external communications group, uh, we used a lot of the archives for footage, for images, and felt that because of that and some of the synergies that we had with uh, you know the multimedia that um, was in the archives that it made sense to have it in under our direction but yeah lots of assets it's a historic company so there's a lot of lot of good stuff there i'm sure you can draw upon yeah we'll be uh, 150 years old next year uh, so we're coming up on that anniversary and uh, um, yeah it's, it's been very interesting just to understand fully what goes into yeah. a true corporate archives but um, you know the the bright and shiny things that we all see are the the you know the Andy Warhol uh, memorabilia and uh, all that type of stuff. So it's yeah. it is uh, fun to be uh, part of that group. Well, for some people, that archive, those sort of archives, are a business in its own right. But uh, obviously, right. you're focused on on promotion for for Campbell Soup Company as a whole. Yeah, and and she'll also get into looking at trends. So you know, back in the '80s, did we try uh, a product with a certain twist and why did it fail and so that type of uh, real intelligence comes in to help uh, future uh, products that's useful yeah that's interesting I hadn't thought about that for the archive yep. normally people think of the archive as something you can monetize but not something you'd necessarily go back and learn from so right yep I so can it's, see it's been... Brad let's uh, let's leap into our wayback machine I'm gonna have mm -hmm. to invent a sound effect for the wayback machine <laughs> uh, I'm sure there is one somewhere but uh, let's get to how you got to where you are so Take us way back, Brad. Where are you actually from originally? So I was born in Evanston, Illinois. So I'm a Midwestern, uh, Midwestern guy and uh, moved out east in 2000. So um, like I said, I grew up on the northwest uh, suburbs of Chicago. I attended high school um, at Loyola Academy in Wilmette, Illinois. So uh, claim to fame is Bill Murray also went there. Um, That's a good claim to fame. Yep, yep. Um, I remember taking a communications class and working in, you know, Super 8 uh, film, um, which was um, still around, but kind of uh, ending its time. Um, but I remember shooting um, some class projects and actually cutting and physically pasting uh, the film together. Um, so I remember enjoying that, but it didn't seem like that was a major calling. But, um, you know, I think we ask our kids now, in high school, what they want to do when they grow up, and they seem to have ideas. I mean, I had no idea uh, yeah. back then, but I went to um, John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, and senior year, 
there was a class titled Corporate Television, and I thought that was the perfect mix of what <laughs> I wanted to do, which was the business side of it, but also the production side. Did you have yes. any concept in your mind? And this is in the late mid late eighties, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. Did you have any concept of what business television was? No, but like I said, when I saw it, I said that seems to really hit where I've been thinking about. I knew, or at least I had heard, that if you wanted to do production, um, you know, if you wanted to be a cameraman, that's all you could do, and you couldn't touch anything else. And I knew that's not where I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, but based on my education up to that point, I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I had an appreciation for you know profit and loss and and making a successful business and so when I saw the two words married together of corporate television I said that's you know that really seemed to hit a chord. So tell me about Chicago then when you when you sprung from university and you're you're you're, you're fresh faced and excited by the idea of working in business with television mm -hmm. uh, what opportunities came your way and uh, how did you get them? I had applied to a, a production position at a private psychiatric hospital. Um, in the marketing group. So because they were private, they had to do their own marketing. Um, so that was my very first job. Do you, do you remember the very first thing you were set to do when you went there? Um, yeah, so the um, so we would set up equipment. So we both did, and this, and this kind of, you know, is, is a, a good example of, I guess, my career. So we did creative things, yeah. but then we also had to make money. And so that taught me so we would set up camera equipment this is back in the vhs days you would set yeah. up equipment in a group room set it up start recording it leave and then you know the next hour you come back and then you collect the insurance slips from each patient and that's how we charged for uh, our services so even though it was a very you know basic service that we did it, it still reinforced you have to make money or yeah. it's a very good idea to make money while you're providing some creative services that are hard to quantify the benefits of um, right away. Short of, short of being a freelancer, that was about as close to the money as you could possibly get, I should think. Yep, yep. But I remember the uh, the training uh, was uh, for the company. The, the one thing that stuck out in my mind was we were trained to, and this is, you know, I'm fresh out of college, is how to um, uh, restrain someone if they got out of hand. So that was an right. interesting... Have you, uh, have you had to use that uh, Campbell soup or anything no, in between? No, no. Yeah, that, never, but, uh, never come up. <laughs> no. But I'll bear it in mind when I next see you, just in case Good, uh, yep, something yep. crops up and uh, you need to restrain <laughs> me, uh, especially if we're anywhere near a bar. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you, you might need to do that. So, so, so take us, take us uh, then on a journey from there to, uh, to you know, the following 20 years when you got to Campbell's Soup. Yep. So I've worked for, um, in between that first job and then uh, Campbell Soup, I've worked for nonprofit organizations. I've worked for international organizations, um, so companies that are owned by. Um, this one was a French company. Um, so I think I've gotten a good mix of the different types of corporations that, um, you know, all run a creative group or a creative department, uh, production department. Um, when I was at, in about 2000, um, I was working at a Square D company that's owned by Schneider Electric out of France. And, you know, Monster.com came out and we were running a private satellite television network at Square D and started streaming. And so new technologies uh, came into play. And uh, that was the one time I looked at, um, you know, where could that next step be? I didn't think that um, there was much more room to grow there. So I looked at Monster, 
um, saw some open jobs um, at the time, had some very young children, so saw a position for an interactive uh, financial agency out here in Philadelphia. So I applied, and you know, back in the internet days, people were being hired left and right, and so I, I came out here and was hired right on the spot and eventually moved to Philadelphia. And so that was the jump from my corporate experience, corporate background into an agency, a small agency, uh, okay. a startup agency, one that was purely built on uh, ad revenue for the pages that we were providing our services on. And uh, eight months later, that followed the dot-com uh, story. So Okay, that, so so let me see. Now, you one thing you didn't mention, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I was aware of, was that in Chicago, also, you were sharing a stage uh, with some operatic greats. And, and <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, where did that fit in? And uh, how did that come to an end as well? What were you doing there? Precisely? Yeah, so in actually in grade school. So to, to Oh, it was early on. Huh? Yeah, so, so go back in the way back machine. So, um, so I had a friend of mine whose parents uh, were in the chorus of the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Um, so that's the obviously the main, uh, yeah. main stage there in downtown Chicago. And um, once in a while, he would be asked to be an extra. And that's, you know, if you've been to an opera, I've seen an opera, there's, you know, there's spear, children. Spear there. carriers, they call them, don't they? Yep, exactly. So sometimes I was a spear carrier. Yeah. Um, there's children, there's soldiers, and so they're non-singing parts. Yeah. And um, so since I was his friend and they needed some extra people, I, uh, I went down there with them. And so for about six years, um, and it probably eked into my freshman, sophomore year in high school, um, it was a job, so they paid you, but you would uh, go down and you were a part of the opera. And um, so I did share the stage with Pavarotti and Domingo. And, and so I, I think I got an early appreciation for, <laughs> you know, the arts and, 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 you know, having it be right there in your face. And opera is not yeah. one of the first things most kids would listen to. But, yeah. and, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, my pure cup of tea, but it was definitely, uh, you know, I learned the appreciation of, yeah. of arts and performance and, and being on stage. Well, having the opportunity to stand close to these people when they're in, and night after night as well, I should right. think. Yep. So we got to know them pretty well and, you know, obviously got their autographs and had, you know, private, you know, birthday parties for them <laughs> when they were there. And so, yeah, it was a great opportunity. Well, that sounds like a nice diversion. But anyway, so we're back to uh, we're back to Philly now, and uh, yep. you, you're moving across to the agency side, uh, turning your back on corporate at that time. Yep. This is 2000 or so, isn't it, or a little later, 2000? Yeah. 2000 yeah. So my my first agency was 2001. And uh, so what we what was the difference that you found there? I was with two different agencies before I came back to corporate. So one of them was a um, a financial uh, streaming audio streaming uh, service. So before. Uh, the internet, you really had to be an analyst and have a specific phone number to, to be to be able to call into quarterly conference calls. So this service allowed anyone to just click on a link and then hear the quarterly conference calls for companies. Um, that was all pure ad-based uh, revenue. And then the second uh, company was uh, email marketing, uh, digital email marketing for a lot of the, the major agencies. Uh, and brands. And actually, in both of those agencies, I was managing production, um, the, the technical side versus the creative side. Yeah, you're so, not using the word creative very much. So I'm going to I'm quite curious as to how yeah. that started to come in. But right. maybe you'll explain. Right. So the majority of my background, and I guess the majority of my experience in, you know, in the early days was production. So it was hands on camera, producing, writing, um, shooting. So obviously, there's inherent creative elements to that. Um, so I have been an editor, 
but a lot of it was heavy production. And mm-hmm. so the agencies, even though there was production going on, there was there was creative going on, I was really in charge of the the Java, the the back-end systems, again, the dot-com era, you know, kind of allowed opportunities for people to, to do anything and everything. So learned a ton about technology and servers and databases. Um, but then once those, again, started, um, you know, withering away, then I knew I should probably get back into uh, corporate. And so uh, Unisys is located in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, so not too far mm-hmm. from where I was at. And so I jumped back into my traditional job of managing a very large um, international uh, department. But again, it was heavy into internal, external communication production. All right. Well, lead us on through through Unisys and uh, and up to. I'm interested to know how the job came about at Campbell Soup. Yep. So um, I worked at Unisys for. Um, I think it was about eight years and again it was a very traditional internal external uh, department about 30 people um, i managed a producer in london and then a team in bangalore india um, that whole department was starting to shrink based on uh, the business at unisys mm-hmm. and so i knew that on the east coast um, pharma was very uh, prevalent and a lot of uh, pharma companies are out here so i Took a job. Uh, it was about a two-hour drive each way uh, to uh, Medco, uh, which is a pharmacy benefit manager who yeah. you know provides the medication for you know 90-day prescriptions. And so that um, again, traditional production, but we did a lot of external uh, meetings. Um, worked with a lot of famous people, but um, they then were bought out by Express Scripts. And so when the buyout was happening and we had pretty good heads up, um, I sent a, an email to an internal networking group that I have and just said, hey, here's what's coming up in my, uh, yeah. my future. And if anyone knew <laughs> of a position, uh, let me know. And yeah. so a couple months later, one of, the, uh, one of my connections and, and someone I knew pretty well had the position that I currently have at Campbell's and said that he was going to be moving to Florida for another job and wanted to know if I wanted to put my name in the, the ring ah, to, okay. uh, to interview. And so that's how that happened. And so I started at Campbell's in that internal external communications group. So it was a very, ah. very small group. And um, so you, you kind of hadn't done a lot of creativity. You, you certainly weren't creative by training by the sound of it, but you'd obviously worked with creatives. Mm-hmm. But something happened. Right. So two things happened. One is that we... So there were there was another person in the company who was in charge of production oversight for all of the marketing, for all the advertising and all of the brands. And then there was myself who was in charge of all the internal external production. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were we had in my uh, in my position, we hire a lot of freelancers to come in and do the work, a lot of photography, a lot of video. And so there was an instance or two where this other counterpart who was managing all of the brand work came to us and said there was one example where um, the agency of record had taken a picture of a V8 bottle and it wasn't, you know, those can be a little difficult because they're very shiny and Mm -hmm. um, reflective. And so they needed us to reshoot um, a bottle of V8, um, you know, ASAP to meet, Mm -hmm. you know, some fire drill. And once we did it, we started comparing, um, you know, the process, the quality, mm. and then the cost. 
And the, my counterpart, you know, was pretty amazed at what we could do and how cheap and how quick we could do it. So that started. And again, this is, you know, so was this an intent? Did you think at the time, ha, I can show them what we can do? Or or was it just a a process that you went through and 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 these, these things were realized of their own accord or did you help them get realized? Yeah, we definitely knew that this was going on and we knew that we could do, you know, um, we could do the speed cost quality um, on those types of productions, but we didn't have a lot of, you know, knowledge and background in that area. So, you know, traditionally, um, a lot of our advertising was on TV, but now, you know, if you go back, you know, five, six years, a lot of it was social media. So we knew that the bar was a little bit lower on the amount of work it goes into creating Mm -hmm. some of these activations, some of these Mm -hmm. marketing assets. And so we knew that we could start winning and helping out, um, with some of those, uh, productions. And so by having them come to us, in a very quick, um, you know, need and seeing the the success that was very, um, very educational, very And them being who? Marketing? Yes, the marketers and this other marketing um, production oversight person. Um, And 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 they were using... Sorry, they were using an AOR to do this, an agency yes. of record to do this yep. for yep. for this shooting. Okay, yes. so no surprises, yep. it cost a lot of money. Okay, right. And so there was another smaller agency that was doing social media production work. And um, long story short, the the brand who we work with in Camden, most of our people are in Camden. We also have offices at Pepperidge Farm in Connecticut. And then now North Carolina with um, Snyder Lance. So we work in the same building with most of our clients, most of our marketers. They came to us. They were working with a small agency on social media work and said that the they were working on multiple uh, brands. So there was Swanson Broth, there's SpaghettiOs. Those are very different brands. Mm. And the long story short is that the brand was not happy with all of the assets that were being created. Um, because they weren't on brand, they weren't, you know, meeting the specs that they wanted. And hmm. they asked us to hire a freelancer to see if we could do it in house. So after a year, we did five times the content for the same price, and the assets were much more on brand uh, than they were getting <laughs> in the past. So these things started to come up, and we started to and really. And by the way, did what did you do to ensure that people could see this? Because it's one thing to save the money, but you know you you really need people to to quickly understand what's going on. How did how did you help that? Right, and so that's a great segue into the the other point I was going to bring up is that we were having this groundswell of great successes, and then the entire company went through a reorganization. Uh, We hired, um, you know, a consulting firm to come in and that consulting firm created a shared services model. In that shared services model, we were moved from the internal external communications group over to a new group that included us, the production group, media, consumer affairs, um, and so other groups that were much more in tune and in line with uh, the marketing and advertising and activations group. And I believe we were moved because of our successes in what we had done, more of that, um, you know, that groundswell of production that we were, we were accomplishing. So to your point, we were keeping our information about how much money we were saving, how much work we were doing, but it was more of a nice to have and, oh, you know, by the way, we saved so much or we, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. were able to provide uh, assets much quicker to much more formalized when we were moved into that new group in the shared services right. model. 
So were you were you preparing kind of monthly reports for for people upstream or in marketing? Or you presumably were a cost center, so they would be paying your bills as much as they'd pay an AOR's bills. Or, or right. was it kind of invisible to them? No, it was. We we work on a partial chargeback system, so um, I don't have to charge back for my overhead, but I have yeah. to charge back per project. Okay. And this kind of goes back to one of my first jobs, where I've always had that sense of showing our value. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. one of my first jobs, a consultant came in at the last minute and said, I'm going to do a back of the envelope assessment of your group over the weekend. I need this, this, this. And, you know, it was a young person that had just come out of college and they were trying to compare the value of what we were doing based on cost per minute of production. Yeah. And I knew that I could shoot a two second you know, a five second video to cost a million dollars, or I could shoot a, you know, a video of an hour that would cost me 10 bucks. So I knew, just knew that that was not, you know, the, the right way to yeah. go about it. So just, I, I learned from the beginning that you really have to be your own champion. You have to keep your numbers. You have, you know, you, we know what we're doing. We know the value and we're the ones that have to keep track of it. So, so you'd put an invoice into marketing um, where you're charging out your rates, would you put on that invoice what they would have paid elsewhere or did you give them a separate report or did you insist on on monthly review meetings where you had the opportunity to show the savings? How, I'm really curious as to how you not only conveyed this but really really kind of got people's attention that they could save a lot of money by moving things your way. Obviously, you've now got this shared service but still you need marketing to come to you. I presume they weren't mandated to use you at this point even, were they? Not at that point. So that came in the past year or two where... Mm based on the successes of the shared services model, um, we created scorecards and we created uh, goals of savings so that, and, and the story mm. really is that we save the brand's uh, production money and that money then goes back to them cr to create more assets. So, right. um, you know. It's, Who championed you though in the in the hierarchy then? Yeah, so our uh, my VP, my boss is Marcy Rabel, and she is the lead for the media group. So that's who we moved over to when we um, started our new organization under the shared services model. And so she had the vision, and again, it was really a, a lift and shift, if you will, of our group over into this yeah. new group um, for her um, her leadership and guidance. And so I think the success of what we can do and what we can bring to the table uh, allowed us that success, but then um, she really set up the scorecards for the company and for our uh, groups to to show that change and show that value. So, you know, to your past question, it was invoices that we would send to the marketing, and and it's not easy for them always to use inside services versus an agency. So that's mm. um, you know decoupling. Well, why is, is it not easy for them? I think it's. Um, some marketers or some, um, I think some people are used to just having everything done for them by the agency. Mm -hmm. uh, the agency has many people. They take care of a lot of, you know, things. They make a lot of decisions. And, you know, they both have and had the creative um, responsibilities, but then also then dovetailed that into production. So when mm -hmm. you attempt to take some of that production and move it inside, um, you have a lot of uh, sensitivities about making sure that that creative is created as well, if not better, than what the agency was going to do. And so for a marketer, that's just more work for them and more things for them to worry about. Um, you know, saving money to them is not 
everything, obviously, and it's mm. not to us. To us, quality is the most important thing. And yep. if we can find a more efficient um, and a, or a more effective way or a quicker way to bring that content to life, that's what we um, really hang our hat on for mm. the value that we bring. Okay. So you inherited a team when you came in in 2012, and then you were amalgamated with others, and you inherited a wider team. Um, what did you start with, and, and how have you molded that to where we're at today? Yeah, we, we started with about three or four full-time staff and heavy, heavy freelance contractors to support um, the rest of the production. And then we also have preferred vendors that uh, we worked with to support, you know, like our websites, banner ads, email mm -hmm. production. Mm -hmm. And so over the past three years, we've made some hires. We've brought more of those contractors in um, full-time. And we always still have a mix of full-time and, and freelance. And, you know, this has really been our first year. We've wrapped up our first fiscal year of the decoupling production. We're mm -hmm. going into our second now. And so we're, you know, gaining knowledge about budgets. We're gaining knowledge about um, when productions happen. We're, you know, just gaining knowledge about the brands. And so yeah. uh, we're growing um, steadily, but careful to you know make sure that we grow with the business yeah so so where are you now in size so we have um, about eight full-time people and mm -hmm. we all, then we have you know a couple contractors that are here almost every day and then we have our flex staff so we have a flow to the work model where you know we'll staff up as the work comes in and which is usually during the summer you know very busy uh, production summer for a lot of tv commercials and then mm -hmm. um it you know kind of winds down for a few months and then goes back up so you mentioned tv a lot but obviously you're you're also responsible for social and digital as well right yes yeah, so we and print yeah we don't do a lot of print but we do um broadcast tv we do obviously online video social media um we're doing e-commerce websites banner ads emails um we do radio spots um so we do you know quite a bit uh, but don't do a ton of print. You mentioned decouple, so I presume that means you do still work with one or more agencies for creative input and strategic uh, uh, planning, or, or is that coming from within your group as well now? So the majority of the work that we do is uh, with our agency of records. So we have uh, a number of agencies that we work with for, again, yeah. all of our brands, including Pepperidge Farm and, and Snyder Lance. Um, so they still are responsible for coming up with the strategy, the big idea, um, the creative assets that are going to be produced. When we're at the point uh, where we're about to plan for production, that's where my group is responsible for deciding, is this going to be produced fully by the agency? Is it going to be fully produced by my team and our contractors and freelancers and vendors, or is there going to be a mix? And then at that point, um, we oversee every production in my group, but the decoupling decision happens at that point. Right, I see. Okay, and you, you're dealing with a marketing, how, must be quite a large marketing department at yes. Campbell Soup, yeah? How big? Um, how big? How many people are you interfacing with? Probably about is? 30 or 40 um, different people in uh, our direct interfaces. 
Okay. And so and have you got a team of account managers who, I mean, you, you're talking, you're relatively small. You've got uh, eight full-time right. people. Uh, how many of those do interface directly with, with So right now we have one on head of production, uh, Suzanne Landau, who came from one of our agencies. Um, so she's uh, been hired in the last eight months. And so her responsibility is really being that subject matter expert for our brands. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have contractors that fill in um you know, for other brands that she cannot uh, manage. So I think that's our future mm -hmm. growth is having those subject matter experts as full-time employees that act as those account reps, act as those subject matter experts per the brand, um, work with them from as early as we can uh, in production. And I mean, you know, working with and sitting in, in the meetings with the agencies when they're discussing the big ideas, when they're discussing, you know, the strategy for the brands, overseeing you know the entire life cycle of that activation um, so that's where we're moving to now is that subject matter expert and then the production teams will work under those groups there seems to be a direction of travel here how would you characterize that Brad? I, I, I mean we're definitely learning quite a bit as we are in our decoupling mode and it's nothing you know new to the industry so you know if you read ad age it's it's in almost every mm -hmm. uh, uh, publication of, of you know one agency or another that's having to work with decoupling or other brands that are decoupling from their agencies and so um, yeah you know we're realizing that we're not going to be decoupling everything there's certain productions that will always stay with the agency and there's ones that we can bring in-house and add value to and again our you know our three main drivers are really cost uh, quality and speed with quality being you know the lead so you know, as as the company ebbs and flows and changes, and we're selling some of our mm -hmm. uh, some of our brands, we have to make sure that we're right sized for the current company and then the future growth uh, as where we go. So, you know, we're really focusing on getting our organization um, streamlined and as professional as we can be as we are, you know, we always say that we feel like we're changing the tires on the car as it's moving. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. always going to happen uh, no matter what organization you're with and, and at what time because the, the media and the industry changes so much um, that we're constantly tweaking and adjusting as we're moving forward. So how do you make sure that you're aware of what these changes are that's coming up, Brad? It's very dynamic, uh, not just at your business, but generally. So how do you make sure you're part of the decision-making process? I think process? it really is you know, knowing your industry, knowing what your capabilities are, identifying those areas in the company that you can add value, and then really going for it. How are you doing that, though, uh, Brad? How do you get to do that? Because you, you're, you're running a department right. at the and same it's, time. It's we hear about, so one instance, one area is shopper marketing. So that's uh, an area that um, was not identified for us to help with, but there are production elements in shopper marketing and consumer promotions, mm -hmm. uh, which are, you know, mm -hmm. the... the Yep, in-store in and the brands, and so those are being done by different groups. And so if we can look at those sides of the business and see um, and explain that, hey, we can do this piece of it, we can't do that whole production, but if we take the production out of um, this process that you're doing with a vendor or if we can help them be more efficient, here's some money that we can save. And so when companies are really tightening their belts, that's a good opportunity. You know, some people get nervous, but that's a good opportunity for groups like us that can step in, add more value, save more money, and then put the saved dollars towards more, you know, marketing and more activations. Absolutely, which is what I know you want. So 
Okay, so um, things are things are obviously developing uh, nicely at Campbell's Soup. You are able to to look at opportunities to save them more money and presumably time as well. You didn't mention that, but I presume part of this is time, isn't it? Time to market, time for yes, execution. Yes, yeah. So there is examples of you know that we've saved five days here, six days there, where um, agencies that we've worked with in the past have quoted. You know, if it's a simple re-edit of a TV commercial. Uh, for instance, that there's no new content, we've been able to save, you know, at least a week. Um, mm. Past agencies Adapting have bid said, "Hey, we, mm. you know, we'll we'll need um, ten thousand dollars, and we'll need to have at least a week to do this." We were able to do it in one day and did mm. it for a hundred dollars of chargeback funds. And so those success stories, uh, yeah. albeit small, are very important. And that you know, that's a lot of money that's saved. But yeah, we're we're able to be much quicker in those productions. In a wider sense, there's also a, this this sort of thing going on, not at just at Campbell's Soup, but at you know a lot of other companies. It's really chipping away at the confidence that marketers have in in traditional agencies as well. They're not doing themselves any favors, and certainly I'm seeing this with with my company mm-hmm. providing these production services to to, to in-house agencies. That that you know when they compare the way they engage with us and the way that then the kind of answers they hear from traditional agencies, it, it, they just feel that well why have we been spending all this money with you guys all these years you know because clearly we didn't we never needed to and it doesn't leave them with a good feeling about the traditional agencies when they do still have something and that's the balance i think that we play is that when we decouple a production from our advertising agency we don't um disengage the agency from the production so we play Mm. and still have them make sure that they're involved they're just not the final decision maker on uh, production assets and, and production elements. And so mm. that's where, um, you know, the agency is still able to be involved. They're still able to ensure that the creative is brought to life as they saw it when they pitched it. Um, but we're able to manage the production process and, and make sure that it's being done as efficient as possible um, with the highest quality. Mm. Um, so it's a balancing act. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I guess that's probably a wrap. It's been a, it's been an interesting talk. Thank you very Great, much, you. Brad. And uh, it's been a, a, a varied career, both outside and inside the, mm-hmm. the agency world. And uh, clearly you're, you're forging ahead, making a name for yourself at Campbell Soup. I want to thank you very much for your time and uh, look forward to meeting you perhaps at uh, yep. an IHAF event or uh, round table at some point. Yes, you remember, yes, right? Yep, so I was just there at the uh, last event. So looking forward to meeting you too. Oh.